0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Great. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you all. Anyway, I'm here for, a, I've got a couple things I want to accomplish this morning. Uh, let me see. It says start. That means I can start. That's great. So, uh, two things. Number one, I want to um, invite you to consider taking part in a brand new church planting in the city of Merced, California. The other thing I'm here to do is just preach the word. And I understand you got special missions coming up, and you've got uh, lots of mission thoughts on your mind, so I guess I'm here to represent sort of like local missions. Make sense? Now, as a fellowship, we're pretty well known as for being an evangelistic fellowship, for planting churches all around the world. Yes. OK, so when do you think was the last time our fellowship of churches planted a church in California? Since we're so well known for doing this. I'll tell you, it's roughly 25 years. Wow, that's that's practically embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? And so um, let me tell you a little bit about Merced. Uh, somebody was saying in the introduction, we're hanging out. Where's Merced? It's, it's, it's actually in California. And it means mercy. So I say, you don't know where Merced is? Well, mercy, you should have known by now. But anyway, so uh, four years ago, my wife and I, I retired a bit early because I wanted to just serve the Lord in whatever way I could, teaching, traveling, writing, and then about six months after that, Greg Muskie says, uh, John, so there's this church in Bakersfield. They don't have any leaders up there. Would you consider moving up there? And for years, I've been teaching anybody to listen to me. Hey, um, you know, we really need to consider, especially as we're coming into our empty nester years, uh, taking it up to the next level. You know, starting a new ministry, moving to help support a small church. So since I've been teaching that for a while... And then Greg says, uh, you know, would you come up there and lead the church at Bakersfield? I had one of those, you know, Isaiah six moments. Right. Here am I. Send some. Oh, wait. Oh, oh send me. We've been up there. It's been great. Church has grown a lot. It's been encouraging. But one thing I noticed is I think I get the sense across our fellowship that some of us have lost the sense of vision for our own personal lives. I mean, some people have famous. Movie stars come and give them their truck and stuff like that. But most of us are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's pretty cool. By the way, I I studied with Oscar. So, uh, yeah, amen, back there in San Diego days. And he's opening a brand new gym. So if you're looking for a place for membership, see Oscar. He'll he'll, he'll take you on.
1: So anyway, um, so I decided, you know what?
0: We need to do something about this. So I got together, some of the church leaders in Fresno, Sacramento, and Valley. We decided to plant a church. And then last summer, I was talking with Raphael Louis there. That's great. We're getting behind it. And by the way, uh, the, the missions contribution here is going specifically to help with Merced. Amen for that. But Raphael said, well, what you guys need is, you know, if you want us to get behind this, you need to have a couple willing to lead this thing. So I'm looking around, looking around. It's like, oh, that was Isaiah 6, uh, part two. So <laughs> guess what? We decide we're going to go plant a church in Merced. And I'm telling you, we're doing this on faith. You know, just this morning, like three people asked me, who's on your team? And I said, "Um, well, how about you? (laughs) And you know what happens when I do that? Most people, they kind of go. "Ha!" ha, ha." (laughs) Because we know that when we became a Christian, we decided go anywhere, do anything. But you know what? Are we go anywhere, do anything disciples? That's the question I'm going to ask us. Anyway, so specifically. We're looking for you to support. I want you to consider the possibility of moving to Merced. Two groups, more or less, specifically, especially open come. One would be high school students who are graduating, who are willing to go off to Merced. We have Merced College, about 18,000 students there, a community college. Uh, UC Merced. I'm going a- to actually be teaching when I'm up there, to do- teach a little chemistry, a little physics. So please consider going to UC Merced or Merced College. To be, you know, part of a brand new planting and a brand new campus ministry. The other, I guess, population I want to I want to consider have consider coming to Merced is those of us who are, you know, maybe in our 50s and 60s. Because you know what? When you were 18 to 25, you had lots of time, but no money. Young people think they have no time. They have they have no idea. They have no idea. Trust me, young people. Okay. And then people 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, they got money, but they got no time. You know what? When we're hitting around 55 or 60, suddenly we have two things, time and money. Oh, and we're disciples. Right? So why not get on the edge spiritually? Why not consider listening to the gospel call? In fact, not only that, you can actually call me because I think there's some information on the screen. You can literally call me and we'll see up there. I know some of the students are coming up. We're going to do a little uh, week-long visit thing. That is going to be really great. So I want to ask you, are you willing, are you ready for the Christian adventure? You know, giving money to world missions, that's great. But how about giving yourself to world missions? How about considering being part of a mission planting to the city of Merced? Give me a call. Now, next, kind of related to that, I'm I'm going to be preaching the word. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Great. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, I published a book. Oh, wait, wait, I've got to go back. I was going to ask you a question. I'm a professor. You know, I like to ask hard questions, and then everybody gets uncomfortable because they don't know the answer. And then somebody raises their hand, and then I can say, good job. All right, so in the Bible, what is the most common word or phrase used to describe a saved person? Maybe it's redeemed. Maybe it's Disciple. Maybe it's Christian. Maybe it's saved. No, none of those, not even close. The most common word or words to describe a saved person is in Christ. So I wrote a book titled In Christ. And it's amazing if you start looking at this topic. For example, in Philippians 2, 1, it says, All encouragement is found in Christ. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it says we are redeemed. Where? In Christ. Galatians 3, 26. We are children of God. In Christ. Colossians 2, 20. We have all the fullness of God in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 4. We are chosen in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, We are made alive in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21, we are made righteous in Christ. We have a lot of things in Christ. Romans 6.23, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.38 and 39, we have a secure form of love in Christ Jesus. And one of my favorites, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation in Christ. Romans 8.1, how about that? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I published the book, but you know what? I left one out. I, it's, this is the unwritten chapter. All right? I think there's 27 chapters in the book. Well, I'm writing chapter 28 right now, and that's what my lesson is about. And that's the title of our sermon, which is, In Christ the Veil is Removed. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's read about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I love 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're teaching a New Testament survey uh kenny's doing this spiritual transformation stuff with robert that's great and um so we're, we're learning a lot about spiritual transformation this is a great passage about spiritual transformation second corinthians chapter 3 starting in verse 7 now if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters of stone came with glory so that the israelites could not look steadily at the face of moses because of the glory transitory though it was Will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious? How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory? Not quite done reading, but what word jumps off the page to you there? To me, it's the word is glory. The word is glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? What does the word glory mean? Well, in English, the word glory means something like magnificent, wonderful, worthy of great praise. But the the Greek word is a little bit more like shining forth, like a bright light shining forth. And what is this ministry that brought death? You know, you read that scripture, the ministry brought death. Would God give us a ministry that brings death? Well, yeah, it says it right there. You know what he's talking about? A ministry written on stone. He's talking about the old covenant. You're, you're telling me that the old covenant brought death? Well, the, here's how the old covenant worked. Do these things and you will live by them. Now, how many people here did those things? All right, good. That, you got it. In fact, in Romans seven thirteen it says, The law made sin utterly sinful. In other words, through the law we realize we're in deep trouble with God. And yet it was glorious. Oh, that old covenant, it was glorious. I mean, Moses came off the mountain and he he was giving off light, he was exuding light so bright that people had to cover their eyes. And he put a veil over his face. That's how glorious the old covenant was. And yet it was a ministry that brought death. When the the temple was consecrated, you read about it in 2 Kings. uh, When when the Holy Spirit, when God came in, filled the temple, it was filled with light and smoke. And they all went running out of there. That is the glory. And yet, you know, Moses, he came off the mountain. And it was bright. It was like glowing people hiding their eyes. But then... The light faded over time. Oh, but the ministry of Jesus Christ is so much more glorious. Can I get an amen on that? Why? Well, verse nine, it says, because it's a ministry that brings righteousness. Like it says in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews nine, you know, the old covenant, it never got rid of that guilt in our heart. But in Christ. The guilt is removed. And not only that, verse 11, it's a glory that will not fade. That's the glory that we have. Now, let me me go on to the next little section here. Let's read 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18, which is really the main passage for our sermon this morning. It says, "Therefore," therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, in other words, because of that, Because of the surpassing glory that we have in Christ. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. If it had not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ is the veil taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit He says, therefore, since we have this hope, what hope is that the hope of glorification, the hope of being a a light shining brighter than anything Moses had, even though he'd seen God on the mountain because of that? What do we have? We are very bold. Well, I got a simple question for you. Are you very bold? Are you very bold? Because if we have this hope. We'll be very bold. And that light will shine forth from our lives. Verse 14, it says, in Christ the veil is removed. And it says it again in verse 16. Because when we came into Christ, when we were baptized into Christ, we were clothed with Christ. And God removed the veil. There was a time when I was spiritually an, an utter idiot. I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought I was spiritual. I thought I was a Christian. It's amazing. I don't know about you, but have you ever studied the Bible with somebody and you read a scripture that's got an obvious meaning to us and you ask them what it means and they spout off some something their preacher told them, you know, whatever. It's like, what? <laughs> Can we read that verse again? It's sort of obvious what it means. But you know what? When we come into Christ, the veil is removed. Do you remember when that happened? When God revealed to you the situation you were in and you realized that it was time for you to get serious about God. I remember that before. It was kind of like this. Um, I don't know about you. I'm a runner. But every once in a while, I do this crazy thing. I run at night on trails. All right. And have you ever tried running on at night and trails? It's kind of like living spiritually with a veil over your eyes that I had for a long time. And I also remember I was, uh, I was, my dad was in a bowling league and he asked me to read the score and I couldn't read. He says, oh, what's wrong with you? I, I got glasses when I was in third grade. All of a sudden, oh, well, oh, that's what it's like to be able to see. That's what it's like. Because you know what? When we, re- when we are baptized into Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit guides us into all the truth. Is that not true. It's true. And it says, it says there in verse 16, it says, whoever, anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then there's freedom there. Freedom from what? Freedom from the veil. Freedom from the veil. Okay. In Christ, we are very bold. You can finally see. Now, let me reread verse 18, because I want us to, to really zero in on this passage right here. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces... Contemplate The Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. See, I believe the goal of our Christian life is not to have the veil removed. When the veil is removed, that's the beginning of our spiritual life, because before the veil was removed, we could not contemplate the Lord's glory. We had no idea we were. Spiritually foolish. But when the Lord removes that veil, when you come into Christ, you can see. And it's interesting, the Greek word here that's transformed, that's translated, we all uh, contemplate the Lord's glory. It also can mean we reflect the Lord's glory. Now, there's a sense in which contemplating something and reflecting something are the opposite of each other. But isn't that interesting? Because as we contemplate the Lord, because the veil has been removed, then we can reflect the Lord's glory. We contemplate the glory. And Then we reflect that glory. And then we contemplate that glory. And then we reflect that glory. Now, I'm a scientist. So I think in terms of cause and effect, that's just the way scientists are. So which is the cause? The contemplation or the reflection. That's an easy one. It's the contemplation of the Lord's glory. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, have you been contemplating the Lord's glory? Meditating about the Lord's glory? Thinking about the Lord's glory? And then we reflect the Lord's glory. Again, like I said, I believe the goal is transformation, spiritual transformation. And that's the freedom we have in Christ. Now, let's move on here a little bit. Second Corinthians four. Let me read verse one through six. It says here, therefore, there's another therefore. Our first therefore is because of this ministry, we are very bold, right? Here's another therefore. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God for we preach. It's not ourselves, but as Jesus Christ, as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus sake, for God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of of Christ I love this passage this is amazing stuff have you ever been tempted to lose heart how about any time in the last two years have you felt tempted to lose just a little bit of heart do you think Paul was ever tempted to lose heart about his ministry he was getting stoned here and there and, and beaten with rods a few times ship decked a couple of times attacked by fellow brothers and sisters Do you think he was ever tempted to lose heart? But what did he do? He said, but we have this ministry. Brothers and sisters, we have this ministry. What ministry? The ministry of helping people come into the light. The ministry of helping people see the glory of the Lord. We don't lose heart because we're making a difference. Eternity is at stake. This is important. Imagine helping one person have eternal life. What would the value? What what price can you put on that? I, I, I say it's priceless. So what do we do in verse two? He says we we put forth the truth plainly. And then what else do we do in verse two? We say we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience it says, therefore, since we have this ministry, we are very bold. And here it says We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. But then three verses later, it says we preach Christ crucified. Now, wait a minute. Are we preaching Christ crucified or are we commending ourselves? Which are we doing? Paul, help me out. Well, we preach Christ crucified. But what do we have to show? A life transformed into the glory of Christ. So, again, I ask you, can you honestly say you've been very bold? Honestly, I think I can. I'm working on it. I spent a lot of time up on campus. If I haven't spent time up on campus. I think Vincent wouldn't be here this morning. Where is he? I saw him. There he is. Met him up on campus. Actually, I think probably his, um, what's his name? His friend met him, but we met his friend. Amen. So we're contemplating the Lord's glory. Now, is everybody going to listen? No, because, you know, their minds are veiled. But what is the content of our message? Jesus is Lord. And on campus, ourselves as servants for your sake. That's why we're there. That's what Alpha Omega is about. Serving people. Reflecting the Lord's glory. Verse 7 through 12. I'm just going to keep on reading. I'm going to keep on reading. All right, great. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Oh, man, jars of clay. What are you talking about? That's that's you. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Let me read that again. And by the way, this morning's question is going to come from this sentence right here. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Think about that. We demonstrate, we show the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So what does that mean to you? We carry around in our body the death of Christ. And as people see our personal sacrifice, our devotion to him. It is a life-giving thing for them. Our lives changed by Christ demonstrate what it means to die with Christ. Like Paul said, I die every single day. Our lifestyle sacrifice for Christ demonstrates the life-giving nature of Christianity. I love that. Death is at work in us. Now, that could be depressing if you think about it. But then if you think about Jesus rising from the dead... Then death is at work in us. That's actually a pretty exciting thing. Let me finish out by reading verse uh, 13 through 18. Because here we're going to talk about old people. And I'm, I'm an old person, all right? So we're going to talk about being old. Okay, got it? So we got these vessels of jars of clay. You know, God chose to use very fragile beings to show his glory. It says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Uh, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away; yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us press us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And it's interesting, he says, for the second time, we do not lose heart. Why? Because we know. We know that God is going to raise us from the dead. And because we know that God's grace is reaching more and more people. Now, young people, you don't recognize it, but trust me, these bodies are wasting away. What's it say here? Outwardly, we are wasting away. Now, I'm sure that Steve can relate to this because he's probably over 50 by now, I'm guessing. Yeah. Young people, you don't know what we're talking about. But you know what? I'm being renewed every single day. Why? Because I'm contemplating the Lord's glory. Contemplate, reflect, contemplate, reflect, contemplate, reflect. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, wrinkles, you know, but on what is unseen, because the unseen things are eternal. So I want to leave you with that. I wish I had time to talk about the confidence we can have. Verse five, chapter five. We know we're guaranteed. We're confident. We're confident. We're confident. We live by faith. Therefore, verse eleven, chapter five. We try to persuade others, brothers and sisters. Let us try to persuade others. Amen. Thank you very much.
1: Wow, he's tall. Wow, that's crazy to me. Just everything, I mean, it's so easy to like read that and then not realize how insane it is that we get to see and the spirit of God lives in us. Like God said to Moses that if he showed Moses his face, Moses would just die. And we have God in us. And then in Isaiah, like he sees God's glory and he just like falls and then in Revelation, John, same thing. He just falls when we see God's glory, but we have God's spirit in us. That's what it means to see God with unveiled faces. It's just crazy. And so, yeah, our hearts can be hardened and we have to contemplate and reflect. And I think that's awesome. Thanks, John, for that. That was super good. Um, yeah. So at this time, we're going to do communion. And when we do communion, we like to commune so we have some questions uh based on the sermon you can look around at people near you two groups of two or three or maybe four um if you feel like you're not comfortable with answering or talking about the questions totally fine you can just go ahead and listen in um, but the questions are how how you commended how have you commended yourself to everyone's conscience are you showing that your life is transformed by jesus how have you commended yourself to everyone's conscience the second question is how can you carry around the death of jesus in your life so so at this time i'm gonna pray and then after i pray you can go ahead and take communion and we'll have some time for you to reflect so i know we have 20 seconds but you know it's okay (laughs) all right go ahead and bow your heads with me Dear Father, I mean, it's just crazy that we get to commune with you and with each other and with you in us, with each other, with unveiled faces, witnessing your glory. God, I pray that as we take communion, we would give thanks for the ultimate sacrifice you gave on the cross that gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that gave us this hope and this love, God, that gave us life and allows us to be sustained. God, let's reflect and contemplate on the cross and what that means, God. So I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: You've just listened to the Westside podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit the or laicc.net.